What's going on, Dingerball Nation? This is Logan, and today's episode, we're talking trade. Here's a little clip. The Cardinals are just always fun. They pull up a random guy every year, and he's always good. Hello and welcome to Dinger Ball. Today I am with Jacob Hennessy and we are live in the same room for the second time ever. How's it going, Jacob? You know, Logan's going pretty well. It's good to be down here in St. Louis. Uh, ready to talk some baseball, ready to talk some trades. Yeah, we're talking about the trades today and we're going to be talking about hypothetical trades and things that we think are going to be happening with all the major league teams. So we'll kind of jump into this a little bit and we're going to use a trade value calculator to see what kind of trades do we think are realistic? And we're going to use needs as well to kind of gauge how accurate this really would be. And there's a lot of guys we think that could get traded in the near future. But I think that one guy who sticks out to me in the long run is kind of Chris Bryant. I think that you might be seeing him get shipped out of Chicago soon. No, I definitely agree. And uh, we kind of put one together over here. Uh, we used the trade simulator and yeah, the Braves get a little bit more value out of this trade, but the Cubs kind of need bullpen help, which is uh, kind of going to be something that's going to be stressed a lot for a lot of teams, but it's definitely a, a it was a major problem in Chicago. So for the Braves to get a guy like Chris Bryant, uh, they'd be able to get three near-ready or MLB-ready relief pitchers that we put together. We put together left-hander uh, Davidson, right-hander De La Cruz, who are both minor league pitchers at this point in time, and uh, Jackson, who's currently up in the major league roster. And we kind of felt like that would be more of an accurate trade. I mean, definitely the Braves would be needing a third baseman unless they plan on re-signing Bryant, or not Bryant, Donaldson. Yeah, but but Donaldson uh, hasn't signed yet. He doesn't seem to really be in a hurry. Yeah, in a hurry to make a decision. I feel like he wants to go back to Atlanta, but we really don't know what's going on with that market right now because there's so many what-ifs and people saying he wants a four-year deal and people saying he wants to be in Atlanta, people saying he doesn't want to be in Atlanta. It's kind of a mess right now. I feel like it's a money issue or something along those lines or like the guarantees along the long run. But I feel like for Chris Bryant, you're going to have to give up a little bit more than that. At least in my own personal opinion, I think that the Cubs would probably want Austin Riley. That would be the person who they have their eyes on. And there was a deal that we saw that kind of put him in there as well. And the Cubs would give up Chris Bryant and Miguel Amaya and they would return Alex Jackson and Austin Riley. I think that would be a really good deal for the Cubs, and it would give them what they want because they'll have a guy who has more control for more years and who's almost a comparable level to what Chris Bryant can be. So you're going to have somebody who's more of the future, more control, more power over what happens, and you're not going to have to pay Chris Bryant, which is a huge plus for the Cubs because they have a lot of contracts coming due, especially when they have to pay Wilson Contreras, Javi Baez, and, I mean... Needless to say, yeah, and Ian Happ, all those guys. There's going to be a lot of guys they have to pay a lot a lot of money over the next couple of years. So they kind of have to start thinking strategically, how do we get these guys out of our roster but still get maximum value back so we spread out the risk of the money so we don't just give away like $200 million in one offseason. And I think that would be a really positive trade for them. And another guy who I was thinking about too is Nolan Arenado. I think that eventually he could get traded as well. I feel like he's kind of more, he's, he's going to be asked for a lot more. 
And I think the Braves could ultimately try to trade for him. I think the Braves and the Nationals could be a fit. But to get him, you have to give up a lot because the Rockies really value him, especially with his eight-year deal that he signed last year. Then he's not going to really just be given away. Like Chris Bryant would be more possibly given away just because you give somebody who has more control in the long run. But what do you think about a Nolan Arenado trade to the Braves and the Nationals? Well, I definitely see it. That would be two of the teams that would potentially be able to pick him up. I mean, obviously there's a need for the third baseman there, and they have a deep enough farm system where they could give away people. Uh, another trade that I would really like to see for him would be potentially like Texas, like the Rangers mm-hmm. potentially picking him up with them needing a third baseman as well. And they, they have a decent amount they can give away down there as well. They do. And I think that we'll be seeing something happen along those lines. Because the Rockies are kind of in a weird weird spot out in the NL West of what do we do? Do we buckle down and try to win a division, or do we just go ahead and sell the farm and then try to do it again later on? Because with the Dodgers out there, and then you have the Padres. Padres are a fairly competent team. I mean, Machado, Hosmer, Myers, you have a really good team out there that it's kind of hard to compete in that division. So do you do that? And also with the Diamondbacks buckling down, and we'll talk about them later, but what do you really do if you're the Rockies? Um, I think at this point it might not be a horrible idea to start selling the farm and start selling your, your big key players. Like maybe even there could be talks about maybe giving up Story, sending him somewhere else because you just kind of get that load off of them. Uh, but you're in a tough spot because that, that division is going to be tough for years and years to come, and you want to be able to compete at some point in the next couple of years. So you can either try to trade away and get a ton of prospects that might be able to help you surpass the Dodgers, which is kind of just the, that's the benchmark for that division. Mm-hmm. Uh, but there's, there's really very little you can do at this point. So you kind of just got to keep fighting maybe and hold on to a guy like Arenado would be a big part for that. Yeah, but you can get a King's Ransom for Arenado. I think that you're not going to see teams feeling the need right now at this moment. You're going to see it later on during the season that Arenado might get traded because the team just might be like, we need a third baseman now. We need a guy who can play third base, hit us home runs, win us some games, and field the position really, really well. So you're not going to see the need, and I think that's really what's going to come down to. You're not going to see somebody just say, we have to have him. I think Chris Bryant could get done this offseason because his value may or may not go up anymore. And you're kind of basing his value off the fact that he could become a free agent in a little while, especially with the whole entire issue of his service time and the Cubs having to deal with that. So you have to think about that in the long run, and it's kind of something to be cautious about. But kind of moving on next, and something that interests me was the Angels. I think the Angels need to make one more move. If they really want to be a true competitor in the AL West, they need to have somebody who's on their team that is a really, really good starter besides Shohai. Because Shohai's not going to be reliable probably until the middle of the season. So, I don't know about that. I mean, he, he is going to have this whole offseason. He's been cleared to throw already. But they still so he might still be able to ready. He might, yeah. I mean, he's also going to be a guy that can only get you five, six innings potentially. He's not going to be, he's not going to be a complete game guy coming back from injury. Obviously, that's just stupid to do that in the first place. But mm-hmm. you can get five, six innings out of him. That's, that's going to be your race. But what you need to be able to do – is maybe pick up like a number two, which is why I think the out of the two trades we put together, uh, I think the second one's more realistic because you get like a two and maybe a fourth, like a four or five starter. Uh, and that trade would be 
the Angels trading away uh, Canning and Fletcher for uh, Matthew Boyd and is it and and uh, what's Palmer's first name? Is it Carson? No, Carson Palmer oh, no. the White Sox. Yeah, he is. Um... <laughs> but and for Fulmer, who could be two of your two, they're two MLB starting pitchers right now. They were the uh, the Tigers ace, and I believe was was Fulmer like the three, and I want to say it was like the three this year for the for the Tigers, and that would be a big pickup for them. The trade value is about equal. Uh, Fletcher's a, a great utility player. He's young. He's on the younger side, so he'd be able to help the Tigers as well. So I feel like that would be a good trade for them. Yeah, I think that getting Matthew Boyd would sure up some of the issues they've had. Um, he's not the most incredible pitcher in the world, but he'll definitely do the job, and he'll. He's probably... better than the Angels' current options. Yeah, I mean, when you have Julio Tejeron, I don't think he's a bad pitcher at all, and I think Tehran's people... a two or three. Yeah, and people kind of judge him and say he's not like the best, but he's been fairly good his whole entire career. He's and consistent, which is what you like to see out of above him. average. That, he's a, he's consistently above average. Exactly, and Matthew Boyd has I mean a really good slider. So that thing is dirty. That'll help him out a lot. <laughs> especially that, that lefty lefty slider is insane. His fastball is not going to set the world on fire, but at ninety two as a lefty. He's not meant to do that. He's meant to you know, throw it around guys a little bit more. He's going to throw his slider, and he's going to show guys, you know, he has that really plus pitch right there. So it's a, it's a plus plus slider, and he actually has a pretty decent changeup as well. His changeup, it's it's not like insane. Like it's not Scherzer. It's not a Scherzer changeup, mm-hmm. but it's definitely above average, above average changeup. Which really, he's got that three pitch mix, and you add in that curveball, which. At times, can be it's, he, he's kind of spotty with his curveball. Sometimes it's dirty. Sometimes he leaves it hanging a little bit. Mm-hmm. But uh, with with that four pitch mix, he, he's a top level starter in the MLB, and he proved that with the Tigers this year. I mean, he did well with the he did well on the Tigers. <laughs> yeah, that's impressive. And something that really sticks out to me about him is the amount of times he got guys to swing through his pitches this last year, and it shows maybe that he's becoming a little bit better because he had a 14% swing through rate. And to be elite in that, you probably want about 10%. And anything more than that shows that you're a really competent pitcher and he was around 14, which shows that he was pretty elite with that. Didn't he start using his slider more last year? I thought, I think there was some part of that, like the, obviously going back to the video analytics, he, he found out more about his slider and he started using it more often, I believe. Than in, in years past, uh, I think he was. He used, but it, less, he but used yeah. it less, I guess. Oh, he, he used, used it more. more. No, I'm right. He used more sliders. He used it more, yeah. Yeah, that's that's uh, sinker. That's a sinker. Sinker. Got he it. He uses sinker a lot he less. He uses sinker. He dropped his sinker percentage. He raised his fastball up to over 50 percent of the time, and then he he raises his slider up, and he stopped using his changeup and curveball as much, and he became more of a two pitch mixed guy. But it was effective two pitches. And with that that slider off the fastball is very hard to read from him. It's a yeah. hard it's a very hard pitch to read, and his fastball backs up a little bit as well. So you get inside tail if you're sitting slider, you can you can saw off people pretty well with what he can do. Exactly, and I think that he has a lot of room to grow in the long run, especially for a team like Anaheim because they had a lefty who was kind of similar ish to him, and we all know what happened to Tyler Skaggs. But you kind of have to fill that hole. You need a left-handed starter who can really be. Just a reliable starter and give you innings when you need it out of a lefty. And that's something that sets most teams apart. And I think that he could be a very good addition to that team. And, I mean, also they're not just giving away a couple of guys. I mean, they're just giving away Canning's Canning. pretty good. Canning but is. But you're get, you know what you're getting out of Boyd. You're getting a you're, above you're getting average lefty. You're more out of Boyd than you would get out of Canning. And mm-hmm. 
Fletcher, you can trade him away. Yes, he is a utility player. He's very useful to have around the or on the a guy like that on the roster. But you kind of already have a guy like that that's very successful. You have uh, uh, he's uh currently he's probably gonna be their second baseman next year, I'd assume, mm-hmm. with uh with uh the signing of Rendon. But you have Tommy Lasella, and Lasella is a great infielder, and he can play just about anywhere on the field. So he's definitely gonna be a big part of it. And yeah, like. That's hard to read. Like we're watching this slider right now. That is very hard to pick up. It's insane. Off of that fastball. And the spin looks the same too. This spin looks very similar. And they're probably about the same going into the plate until about ten feet away from the plate. And then you see his the slider, slider breaks just off darts. the fastball the fastball kind of moves in. It moves into a lefty and away from a righty. And the slider goes into a into a righty and away from a lefty. Like that is that good. is hard to hit. That's good. And I think that he's going to be one of the guys. Who... Obviously, this video is not the best because the umpire just wore that one off the face mask. But <laughs> it's because it's the pitch overlay. But <laughs> yeah, the pitch overlay, the fastball goes right into the umpire. The catcher, there's no catcher's mitt there. I don't know. That's kind of maybe robot umpires. You know? Oh boy, don't get me started. We do not need robot umpires in the MLB. I, I disagree with that entirely. But I mean, you can kind of take a, like like you can take a look. He fastball spin rate is high, high strike percentage. Does not give up too many hard hits. The only thing that he's he, the average. only thing he's above average in hard hits, and the only thing that is uh, maybe not the best is his curveball spin rate is low. But when you're not throwing that many curveballs and you're throwing more sliders, you're fine. And that's probably part of the reason his curveball wasn't the most effective, and you could probably see some improvement of that too if he works on it a little bit this off season or if he gets with a new team who's able to develop it a little bit more. Well, so if we're talking about that, the perfect place for him to go would be Cincinnati. <laughs> Cincinnati or the Astros. I mean, the Astros seem like they have a pretty good way of developing pitchers down there, so I think that would be really interesting in the long run. But I think that the Angels should make a move. And one move that we kind of thought about that would be a really, really big move. This one's kind of out of of left field. I don't think something like this would happen because I don't think the Indians would give up these two guys in the same package. But, But, I mean, it's still, especially to a team in the AL. I don't think it's a package that will get put together, but it would be an interesting one to see, and maybe you can even remove one of these two guys and send them off to to L.A. as well. But it would be uh, Clevenger and Lindor for Dell, Canning, Fletcher, and Simmons because if you're getting Lindor, you don't really need Simmons. And, yeah, Simmons is a great defender, and the only reason why I also don't think it would happen is that Simmons is a bit on the older side. So, uh, But, I mean... That would be a great trade for the Angels as well because you get a starting pitcher and you get an elite shortstop who's 20, 25, I believe. I think Lindor's yeah. 25 years old. Yeah, he's, he's 26. 26, yeah. 26 years old now. And with Lindor, the thing you get out of him is you get that offensive need that you didn't really get with Simmons. So you're upgrading that. And, yeah, you may be giving away a little bit of defense, but in the long run, offense wins championships. And with the pitching staff that you're going to have, you're better off just going out there and playing slugfest every single game, and you're better off just being good at it because you have that 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 lineup is deadly right now. You add Lindor as a leadoff hitter, you get you can take uh, Lestella and move him back down towards like the seven eight hole, and that is a and you can almost have you basically or you can even put for, I mean I'd, I'd, put I'd say just put no I put I put Lestella in the nine hole and uh, that, at restart. Oh no, I you would basically put, have back to back leadoff hitters at the bottom and top of your lineup. See, one thing that I would think is I'd put Lindor at two. Put him right there, and then three, you could have your option of either Mike Trout or Anthony Rendon, which are both 
you, you can't do any wrong. I would probably put Mike Trout at four just because you want him driving the guys in. I want Trout at three. I want him. I want Trout at three because I want, if my game on the line, I want him having as many at-bats as possible. Mm-hmm. I don't want the game to end with Mike Trout on, on deck. So I think that you put Trout at three because, yeah, this is not taking anything away from Anthony Rendon. We all saw what he did for the Washington Nationals last year. He is a stud. He's a great hitter, good defensive third baseman, just an all-around very good baseball player. But I think that if you put Trout at three, that would be a better spot for him compared to the four hole. Mm-hmm. And, and, yeah, you, you might be losing a run every time he comes up because he's he's hitting three now and you don't have that extra guy on base. Yeah. But I'd rather have as many chances for him to get a, a, at bat as possible. And I would say bat him leadoff, but then you're that that's just dumb. Once again, you can go into the argument of having your best hitter hit more, but you want him driving the guys in, so you don't want him hitting home runs with empty base pass because that really doesn't add very much value to the team. Solo home runs don't win championships. Three-run home runs and two-run home runs win championships. Yes. So you kind of want that going along with it. I think that giving away Simmons also would bring a lot of value to the Indians in the long run because it would help them out a little bit. And it would make them feel better about giving away Lindor. And then they would have those guys. Like Adele would be a perennial stud out there. And with the Angels right now, you know, you don't really need Adele. He's a center fielder that won't be able to play center field until he's 25 or 26 years old. Until he proves it that he's better than Mike Trout in center field. And it ain't going to happen anytime soon. (laughs) Yeah, Mike Trout has to decline. Then Mike Trout will become a corner outfielder probably at that point. It would be his speed only or his reads on balls, but I don't see that happening in the near future yet. Mike Trout is way too good to take him out of center field. Yeah, and then out there also, too, you're going to have Shohei Otani playing for a little bit. and then I don't think Otani is going to play very much outfield next year. I genuinely don't. I think they're going to DH him and have him be your starter. Yeah, and and that's not a knock on Show High's outfield because he's not a he's not he's not a bad outfielder. Mm-hmm. He really isn't that bad of an outfielder, but he's gonna. I feel like he's you got to put him at DH. You want him throwing the ball as little as possible. Yeah, it's just gonna be interesting to see with those guys. Griffin Canning, that's the guy's name. Yeah, that kind of who do you want in that outfield? Giving away Adele to get Clevenger too because we didn't even talk about Clevenger really. And Clevenger is a good pitcher in his own right. He's crazy. <laughs> yeah, he's got the, he's got that little bit of little bit of craziness in him, which is it's always a good thing to have that uh, in your in your lineup as well, or in your rotation, especially when you're pitching. Yeah, I could definitely see that. Um, the only issue and he'd be going him, home. The only issue is he's a little bit on the older side, so he's 29 years old right now. But at the end of the day, you're getting Lindor too, who's still pretty young. And you don't have to worry about much. You'll have to resign him in the future. But if you're the Angels at this point in your life and where you see things happening, you have to go all in. Because if you want that championship for Mike Trout, you give him the tools around him to give him what he truly needs. And he'll lead a team to a postseason run, and he can lead them through the postseason and into a World Series very easily. You give him guys who get on base. You give him a solid pitching staff who can keep him into games. They're going to be winning a lot more games than they lose. And that's really what they need. They need to go all in and not all, just say all they oh, we're need fine. is to be able to get another guy to kind of offset that that the pickup the Yankees had with with Garrett Cole. Mm-hmm. You need to offset Garrett Cole. And yes, you're not. There is nobody in the MLB right now that is on the same level pitching as Garrett Cole is. But yeah, they, there are people that are close though, and that's all you need to do is just get close to him. 
if you can get close to a to a guy as good as Garrett Cole, mm-hmm. and honestly, Clevenger's Clevenger's a pretty good option. Yeah, he's not the best one out there, but he is definitely a good option to get close to Garrett Cole. And that's all you need to do is just have that guy that when when you gets down to it, you're in. I don't even know where they would run into him. Maybe, maybe in the maybe divisional ALDS, maybe or CS. maybe championship. You need a guy that can compete and go out there and, and keep you in a ball game against Garrett Cole until you eventually knock him out. So maybe that happens. Like you, you basically need a guy that can get you probably into like the seventh inning and where you're competing when Garrett Cole's out of the game and the Yankees got to turn to that bullpen. See, the biggest thing that I saw in this past postseason run is you had a show a show of great pitching, and you had a light on some guys who weren't the best pitcher, and you really saw that how that affected their team. So even with the Cardinals is an example, the Cardinals had very fine pitching, and that's why they got into the position they were in. But at the end of the day, the Nationals were better at pitching than them because they had Scherzer, they had Sanchez who showed up, and they had Strasburg, and then they had Corbin coming out of the bullpen and being a guy who's able to be a swingman in that situation. So you see those guys who are able to do – both things like that very, very well, and they're being able to be a great starting pitcher, and that's what ultimately won them like, the World Series. Agreed. And like go like with your Cardinals argument, the Cardinals had that that Garrett Cole S guy and Jack Flaherty. Mm-hmm. He is a great like he goes out to the mound. He is you a feel great good. starter when he is on the mound for your team. You feel like on that day you have a chance to win no it's matter winning, what. Man. He has you have a chance to win with Jack Flaherty on the mound. Absolutely. You just need a guy, and and honestly, like. Like we were saying, like that Garrett Cole esque starter. That is what Strasburg was. That is what uh, Scherzer is. Those are those. The the Nationals are lucky enough to have two of those guys instead of just one. Mm-hmm. And and the Cardinals had that one guy that you felt like showing up to the ballpark. Stras, I think it was Strasburg this year mm-hmm. against against Flaherty, right? Mm-hmm. Strasburg versus Flaherty, you have a chance. You yep. need to just find a way. To have a tie ball game, maybe a one-run game, two-run game, going into that late stages of the ball game yep. when he gets knocked out. Like, the the Angels don't have that starter. Exactly. And that's kind of what we're going along with here. They were saying that getting a guy like Clevenger would give you that additional push that you would be able to have to go even further, to have a chance to actually win a game in the postseason and then be able to do what you need to do. Because a lot of teams don't have – that guy and that's why we don't see him in the postseason they don't have that one starter that one thing that helps them get over the edge you don't have that max scherzer who can't lift his arm over his head but then comes back the next day and starts anyway you need a guy like that that has that intensity because what does that do to a team that brings more intensity and adding intensity to a team that has mike trout i'm all in for definitely also load disclaimer when we say replace tyler skaggs we do not mean like the entire thing replaced him. Obviously, you're never going to be able to replace a guy like that in the playoffs no. because that is just – he was a special player. Obviously, we all know that. And he, he was a good starter. He had both parts. We're not trying to replace the guy here. We're trying to replace – The hole that's missing. The, the, the hole that's missing in that staff now because that guy was your – he was probably – yeah, I, I think he was their – he was probably their ace, to be honest. He's he, probably their he top starter, the if not two. For that team, he was on last year. But that was Shohei out. He was probably their starter or their top starter, and and that's that's a big hole to fit, to fill. Obviously, Shohei coming back is going to help, but you also now need a second guy, and and that would be uh like a like a 
like a Clevenger. Clevenger would be perfect. Boyd would be perfect. Uh, you could also you could potentially get because now you're not looking to fill an ace anymore. You're looking to fill a two three hole. You can get someone that's a little bit less effective than those two guys mm-hmm. and potentially still be fine because Shohei is going to help a lot being back on the mound. That is going to be a big pickup for them next year. I said it once and I'll say it again that Shohei Otani could be the MVP if he comes back to the mound the way he was and he was he insane. Throw him 100 miles an hour with a dirty pitches. He had a dirty slur which really adds a lot of value to him as a pitcher. And then, yeah, he also had a good changeup too. And at the end of the day, you could see that making that whole entire rotation just better because they know they have that one guy, and it makes everybody else's job just a little bit easier because it takes the pressure off of a guy like Julio, and it takes pressure off the other guys they have on there too. But it's just kind of like you need that extra something that they don't have right now. And I guess we'll see if they really go out and try to get it. I don't think there's really many guys out there right now you could just sign in a free agency that could fill the hole they need. They have to probably see, see it elsewhere. And will they do it right now? I think they should. But I think if they don't right now, they're going to see it in the middle of the season and they're going to say, hey, we need one we more need guy. We need that guy. So these some of these trades, obviously Adele's going to keep getting better. That value is going to keep growing over the mm-hmm. course of this next year for sure. You saw what he can do in in the in the minor leagues. We all know what he's got with his bat, mm-hmm. and that is going to be a guy that either a you can bring him up and he can be a MLB ready guy by midseason and potentially come up and replace like Brian Brian Godwin. I think it's Brian God- Goodwin. It's Goodwin. Yeah. Brian Goodwin out there and left, or 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 right wherever they end up playing him. You can replace a guy like that, or maybe even maybe even Upton. Like you paid a lot for Upton. <laughs> and and he was he was serviceable for the first couple of years, but now he's starting to get on the older side, and you might not want a guy that's a little bit he's faster than Upton, he's got better bat than Upton, and that that might be another potential uh, upgrade for them in the outfield. That's and you can use Upton off the bench, which would be big time because I believe he 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 does have a good bat. He's not very fast though, which is the biggest issue, and it's hard for him to play outfield. Yeah, he was a below average hitter last year. But that's kind of what you expect. He really didn't play that many games. He played only He's been above average the last, what was it, every year since 2008. Yeah. I think his first year in the league was the only year he wasn't an above average hitter. Yeah, with weighted uh, runs created plus. So he's been an above average hitter. He is an above average hitter. And but, he's not somebody who you're going to look at at the end of the day and say, he's the reason we won all these games. But he's going to be one of those big parts that helps add – Cogs the wheel. Pulp is defensive runs saved. That's the part that I was really looking at for this. Yeah. Because uh, he doesn't he doesn't save a lot of runs out there in the outfield. He's he's not as great of a fielder. Uh, like he 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 doesn't like he doesn't make errors, which he, he is not terribly hard to do as an outfielder. Because yeah. it, all the only way you can realistically the the usual way you make an error in the outfield is dropping a fly ball, which doesn't happen a lot. But, like, outside of that, he's not a good outfielder. No, he's really not. And he's there for his bat. Yeah, he's there to kind of be like a DH guy. He's only going to make the routine plays. And to expect anything else out of him is expecting way too much. He's not going to be the guy who's going to save you a whole bunch of runs. He's not a Billy Hamilton kind of guy out there who can rove around and then track down a lot of balls. So, he didn't make a he, he did not make a single 
unlikely catch last year, I don't believe. Yeah. No. And yeah, even the one, and for unlikely, they, they do percentage-wise 10 to 40% chance you catch the ball. And I don't even think he, he, he might have made like one even one where it's just, it's like a 50-50 ball. I think he's made one. He, he didn't make any last year. He made none last year. He only made his routine plays, which kind of goes to show that it's bad. In 2018, he made like 10 of the even plays when he played more in the outfield. He played uh, 1,200 innings. So it's one of those things you kind of have to say, where do we put these guys and how do we fit them in our machine? Because also you have Albert Pujols, and with his age, do you really want him at first base all the time? No, because you also have, I think, is it Justin Bohr on there too? Bohr would be your first baseman. And you have to figure out where do we put these guys and how do we put them into our team? Honestly, I wouldn't be surprised if both of those guys are just – because Pujols, the one thing that he always had, and he still has to this day, is he's got a clutch bat. He, he does. He's a clutch hitter. And and I think a guy like that, he's been around it. He is a veteran presence. You want him in that clubhouse for sure. You do want him in the clubhouse. You don't want to just trade him away. You want to keep him for whatever he's got left. And obviously a lot of teams aren't going to go for him anyways, mm-hmm. especially because most teams don't need a, what is he, 37? He's old. Yeah. He's a, he's an old old first baseman. A lot of teams aren't going to need him in their lineup, which is just understandable. He's He's been in the league for – this is going to be his 19th season now next year. He is 39. He's 39-year-old first baseman. That is not going to be a guy that is going to be able to be successful for you all the time, especially not in the field. And that that's kind of where you're looking at it now. And he, he's his hitting is starting to, to decrease from where it used to be. His first, whatever it was, first... It's like first, 2001 first 2010. First seasons, first like 16 seasons were unreal. And the first, what, five years for the Angels, he was a, uh, an above average, a way above average hitter for them, which is what you wanted him for. You wanted him mm-hmm. for the early years, thinking you might have a chance with Mike Trout in the outfield. Mm-hmm. And they just, they didn't put any other pieces around him. So now maybe you bring him off the bench, ninth inning, game on the line. That's kind of going to be a guy you're going to want to come up for one at bat. We need you to just do something powerful. And that's the, he can be that guy. I genuinely think he can be that guy for the angels. One thing about pools that I just want to bring back up is how good he was and how he pretty much for the first 10 to 11 years of his career had over like 35 home runs, almost always over a hundred RBIs and always almost batted over 300 as a hitter. (laughs) That's just impressive. Oh yeah, he'll be in the Hall of Fame for sure, based on the based on what he could do with the bat. For his years with the Cardinals, nobody was better. He's one of the most legendary Cardinals of all time. I was lucky to see him in a Cardinals uniform, and when he went out there, he was different than everybody else. You just knew it the way he hit the ball, and he would just attack it. He just knew he was different. He would oh, hit yeah. a routine fly ball. He, he and, was that guy in the ninth inning. He'll come up and you go and ninth inning game on the line. He goes up and the opposing team goes, Ah shit, here we go again. <laughs> walk, walk. <laughs> We're walking him. He is that I mean, like uh, uh, Rutschman down in uh, when he was at the Oregon State with the bases loaded, and mm-hmm. they're like, uh-uh, put him on. Give him a run. <laughs> he, he can have He's one. Not we're, not, we're not letting him hit a grand slam right now. He can have the one run. We'll take it. I'll face the next guy instead. <laughs> that's that's the type of guy that Pujols has been his entire – and he's an MLB guy doing this. Not a, It's not a college guy in against real estate. I believe it was the number four starter or number three starter. It was a late game. It was like a like a late game in the playoffs. Mm-hmm. It, it wasn't like the first game where you throw your top guy or, or the second game where you throw your top guy. It this was deep in the into that. Uh, 
I believe it was the. I don't think they made it to the super, so I think it was the. Uh, it it, it would have been the, the the first round of the college playoffs for uh, baseball at least, and uh, yeah, like that's the guy that Pools has been his entire life, and that's the guy Rutschman's going to be in the MLB too. I I'd imagine he's going to be a top guy too when he comes up. And that's gonna be scary when he's. And the only problem with that is he's with ba- he's with Baltimore. <laughs> I have a lot of hope for him out there in Baltimore, and I wrote a blog about him, and pretty much he was a highlight of that blog because he's gonna be the face of the Orioles for the next probably five to ten years. I mean, it's not gonna be Chris Davis. <sighs> Too soon on that one. <laughs> he was such a good player, and then he just went poof, gone. He's like, I was here, and then I burn out like a star. Yeah, he was. He was. That was. He had one or two really good years, I think, where he just hit home runs after home run after home run, and just there, there was nowhere you could put the ball where you could get it. He, he was going to hit. He was going to hit. He was going to get on base, and he just he hasn't been the same guy in a in a long time. He hasn't yeah. been the same guy in like four so for like the last like three years. Well, like the weighted runs. Create a plus for him. Haven't been too good these past two years, um, 44 and 58 respectively. So you kind of just sit there and say maybe he'll regress back to the mean. Maybe this is just a fluke because he had a couple years where he was really good. And he, I mean, he hit 47 home runs, 38 home runs, 53 home runs. That was that was his best season. I think that was in 2016. It's 2013. 2013. When he had 53 really? home runs and 138 RBIs, and hopefully the. Um, Orioles into a playoff run, I believe. I think that was like one of the last times it was either then or 2015, whenever they were the last time in the playoffs. But it was him and Adam Jones. Yeah, and he kind of fell off the map. And when you look at it, his strikeout percentage went up a little bit, like five percent. But it's just he's not hitting the ball the same way he used to anymore. So it's kind of interesting to see, nonetheless. At the end of the day, we kind of are going to go on to somebody else now, and. Somebody who I think is going to be really interesting, we could see get moved this postseason, especially this offseason, especially with the new change of the GM at the Red Sox, and that's Mookie Betts. And the reports are David Price as well for that team. And David Price just to get the contract, contract off your uh, off your payroll. He, yeah, he is. He's still a top level starter. To be completely honest, he is still a very good starting pitcher. For, yeah, and he he's not going to be an ace anymore. He's not going to be the guy he wasn't. He, he's not going to be the guy he was in Tampa. That, but that's not what you're paying him for anymore. That's not what you're trying to sign him for. You're trying to get a guy that can be, and, and he he can almost be like uh, like like you mentioned earlier or earlier in the podcast. He can be like that guy. He's a swing man. He can pitch out of the bullpen too if you need him, and he can do a he can do a solid job. We saw that early in his career. We saw it late in his career. He can be that guy, that game on the line, playoff game on the line. You need a pitcher to go in that you can trust. That can be a number you can call as David Price. Who are you going to call David Price? I, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know if I want to call David Price. I don't know if he's the Ghostbusters or not, and he'll come in there and he'll win you a lot of games. But he's a good pitcher, and if he stays away from the injury bug, if he's able to see I himself feel- get some success early in the season, I think that we'll see him back to old form. Yeah, like I can see him like member like the Cardinals – postseason the Cardinals World Series run in I think it was 2012 or 2011 mm-hmm. uh it was it was was it 10 I don't remember when they beat the Rangers in, in 2011 2011 and wasn't it wasn't it Wainwright that kind of did, did that he came back from an injury and he was a he was a bullpen guy for them 
No, Wainwright was um, the bullpen guy for 2006, whenever they won that World Series. Right, it and was he, he came up and he was pretty much a bullpen guy. Oh, it was, who it was, was Wainwright. He 20- if you could compare him to David Price, though, at the end of the day, because like David Price is going to be a good pitcher no matter where he goes, and the value that he adds is with his mind. Also, too, because he's been there, he's been in those big moments, and he's seen how to win big games, and he can add a lot of value. I think that he can honestly get traded away to the Dodgers. And I know that a lot of people are pushing for that. That's a lot of lefties in that Dodgers rotation still then. (laughs) It's dangerous because at the end of the day, you're going to have some studs out there because you're going to have Julio, I believe, Urias. Urias, Elias, And then Kershaw, and you can have David Price. Price. Now you got a three-lefty rotation. And then if you could put Mookie Betts in there, throw Mookie Betts in a trade, I don't see them getting traded together unless they get a haul. They would have to get Gavin Lux, and they would also have to get Dustin May, too. They'd have to get Ginger Guard. But I don't know if you would have to give up May. You might you might be able to get away with, like, Verdugo. I think that You might GM, be able to get away with Verdugo in that trade, though. I think no, that would be unrealistic. The GM is going to push. For the uh, Red Sox, that GM is going to push real hard because those two pieces right there can compete with the Yankees right away, and that gives you a chance. That's what he's thinking, I think, in the long run, and he's going to push real hard. I think that right now him settling into his duty of that, I think you're not going to see many big time moves because I don't know. I how... think this is going to be his one big time big time move is I don't is, think he's trading away bets. I think that is going to be his biggest move this offseason. It's not going to be who you pick up for him. You're probably going to pick up some minor minor league guys that might be MLB ready in two years because you're not going to compete with the Yankees this year. I just They're see the not issue. Going to. I just see the issue of him not being maybe good at negotiations. That I don't know how he does. I know he's a good analytical guy, and he obviously did that with the Rays because he helped them out a lot. Well, so you have to if you're with the Rays. <laughs> so I think that we're gonna see something happen with Betts, but I almost could imagine Betts getting shipped away individually to somewhere. And I think a potential landing spot for him is maybe out there in the NL West, and it might be with the Padres. The Padres might be able to give up a little bit for him, like Luis uh, Campesino. Um, Manuel Margo and Ryan Weathers. I mean, that would be a potential deal. And I'd probably say there might be some c- cash consideration, maybe a player to be named later, all those other things going on there that I think that he could eventually get traded, especially if he doesn't reach a deal with the Red Sox, which I don't know if he wants to. And I don't know if they want him to because that's going to bog down their salary a lot. But he's worth it. He's worth it, but at what cost? Are you going to compete with the Yankees? No. Are you going to compete with the Rays? No. Are you going to be the third place team? Yeah. And then you have to worry about everybody else. Like who? How do you get into can first you place? Find a, and, and to be honest, with being that third place team, can you find a way to get that second wild card spot? Being mediocre is very very bad in most sports because you see it where a team stays in like the three to four range and they're like, okay, we compete most games and we're there, but there's a big step between that. And actually being successful because that's kind of like just being stuck in purgatory because you're right in the middle and you really can't do much about it because at the end of the day, well, you're, that, that's that's where you find the Rockies. Yeah, and you kind of have to do something. You have to do some sort of action to make yourself better at the end of the day. And you have to say, listen, we could take path A, we go all in, buy a whole bunch of guys, and we build our roster that way. Or B, trade away the guys, build a farm, and then buy guys later who fill into the farm and build a new mindset there. And you have to do something. You can't just say, oh, we're fine. Because for most teams, that doesn't work. The St. Louis Cardinals are one team it does work for. 
Because you'll just be like, oh, we're fine. The Cardinals are just always fine. They pull up a random guy every year, and he's always good somehow. Tommy Edmond, like before the season, if I would have said Tommy Edmond would be one of the better players in the Cardinals, I would have got laughed at. And he, you, you would never say something like that because you don't you don't know until he gets there. You don't he know. Was one of those guys where you're not going to – Edmond was one of those guys where until he is up on the big stage, you're not going to know how good he's going to be. And people didn't think he was going to be that good. The Cardinals especially. They were just like, all right, we'll try this guy out and see how he does. But – Matt Carpenter was in the same position, too, because Matt Carpenter was out there, and he wasn't a big-time prospect. He was just kind of there, and he just, like, went up, and then he was okay, okay, okay. And then he just exploded into Matt Carpenter, and then now he's kind of going downhill a little bit. Yeah, definitely agree with that. So you have to do something if you're the Red Sox, and that's something that I think they could do. And the Dodgers have all the firepower in the world to get even better. They have the... I would say they probably have some of the most firepower out of anybody to get one big guy and completely change their team and say, we're not messing around. We want a World Series. Because they have a two-talent of a roster to not do this. They need to do it. But they just continually fail in the postseason. They failed against the Nationals, who they sh- probably should have beat. And they, they failed they would, against the Red Sox. They failed against the Giants. They, they failed, failed against everybody because Clayton Kershaw can't pitch in the postseason. And there's just too many issues with that team. And I don't, I don't understand the whole why Kershaw does not pitch as well in the postseason because he is one of, if not the best pitcher in in, in MLB history. He's up there on that list. You have to put him on that list with how he pitches in the regular season. But you just need to find a way to get him to be successful in the postseason. Mm-hmm. Exactly. I think that over time we might see Kershaw hopefully pitch more in the postseason and see what he can actually do. Because he's not a bad pitcher, and there's just something going on. I think it's mental that goes on in the postseason. Maybe it's physical, and he lets his body's fatigue get to him, and he lets it just kind of smash all at once. And in the postseason, it's easy. Because even Madison Bumgarner said at the end of it, he's like, yeah, I'm tired. Because <laughs> that man pitched 50 innings in the postseason. And yeah, I think, he, that, I think his combo is I'm not touching a baseball for at least a month. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> And after that, after that I, uh, fiasco. <laughs> yeah, why would you? But, I mean, he won. Yeah, he won. But I think Clayton Kershaw kind of lets it get to him at times. But I don't know. Because he's still really good. He just, the moment beats him. There's that one moment in the game that beats him every time. You look at it with Matt Adams. Matt Adams destroyed him in the postseason. He has that one moment where he'll leave a curveball over the plate and just cast it and be like, oh, I'm fine. I haven't allowed any runs into the sixth inning. Cast a curveball. Three-run home run. And he's out of the game. They lose the game. Well, I mean, you you saw that against the Nationals this year, even with the the back to back home runs. Yep, exactly. That, that really that's what buried the Dodgers in that in that in that game in that series in that postseason. Like that was their season right there. Was they were good. They were they were competing. They were fighting. They were doing everything right up until that point. Even in that game, they were up two runs at that point. I believe it was. Yep. And you bring in Clayton Kershaw. He he's your ace. He is your guy. And you were sitting there thing, saying, like, we're going to win. And just two mistake pitches. And one of them really wasn't a mistake. Rendon went down and got that thing and just golfed it out of here. But, I mean, you just see it. And it just happens time and t- time and time and again. And then you saw it with Joe, Kel- with Joe Kelly in the end of the game, too, with that home run. Uh, it was a grand slam. So all, all he needed to do was just hit it in the gap. But he decided he wanted four runs instead. Uh, and you, you just see it time and time and again where 
the Dodgers are that close. They, they are. are right there, and they just can't get over that hump. Exactly. And it'll be something to watch as time goes along. But that's pretty much all we have for the trades today. But what we want from you guys is to let us know some of the trades that you think are possible, and we can talk about them and see I mean, what you think. Because I'm interested in seeing where some of these guys go, and especially probably even things that we didn't even talk about, like other players who potentially could leave teams or teams who have more needs that could have potential to trade away guys that have a little bit more firepower. So whatever you guys think, let us know. Send us some trades, and we'd be glad to respond to them and let you know. Yeah, well, definitely. Obviously, we like you. Like you guys all know, we always we're always open to talk about baseball. Whatever you guys want to reach out to talk to us about. Uh, obviously, make sure you guys are still following us on Twitter. Uh, we we post content basically daily, mm-hmm. and we always we always uh, ready to talk to you guys. Our our Twitter page is still Dingerball Podcast. Uh, if you guys really want to, if you'd rather talk to either me or Logan personally, you can always reach out to us as well at uh, jhennessy18 and talk, talk underscore 44. Underscore, underscore. Maybe one so of these close. days. One of these days I'll get it right. It's okay. Maybe episode 40. I don't know why you have two underscores. Because the one with the one underscore was taken. Okay, then change the number. I can't. That was my college number. <laughs> 18 is not my college number, but I still love number 18. Been doing that. I, I wore that all <laughs> high school. It's, did not have it. But uh, yeah, we're always here for you guys whenever you guys want to talk about baseball. Yep, absolutely. Thank you all. Yeah, I'm just flying by.